Hello, welcome back to Tricky Hit Camp. It's your girl, Sister Leia. Once again, I am coming at you all on a wonderful, sunny, beautiful day here in North Carolina. And when I finally think the coast is clear and there's no noise, a massive vehicle just went by the window. Hope y'all didn't hear that. If you did, oh well. You know how we do in here, riding by the seat of our pants. Um, what are we gonna talk about today? Let's pull up some notes. Oh, before we get started, I would like to say thank you to the new listeners. I've been receiving some very interesting, fun messages um, <laughs> in the DMs on Instagram as well as on Facebook. Y'all can hit like more on that Facebook page, but I get it. I'm slow to do content. Eventually, I will get somebody to take care of all that for me because I'm doing social media for some other stuff. That's quite fun. But, um, yeah, I may have some really interesting, I want to say, co-host chats with some guest co-host people. We've got some interviews coming up. It's, it's pretty exciting. A lot of projects in the work, some changes, and <laughs> don't be surprised if overnight everything is completely different except me and my mouth. Um, speaking of my mouth, this lip gloss I put on is so tacky. I swear it's like making, and not tacky as in like, ooh, ugly, that's so tacky. No, like as in like glue tack. Y'all know what I mean, makeup people. Just wipe it off. Ugh, because I can barely get my mouth open and closed. <laughs> All right, um, I do want to hit up on some celebrity situations, but at the same time, I have some grapes, like some super grapes. All right, let's just get into it. I was watching this morning some stuff left over from uh, the week that I hadn't gotten into. Why? In the hell has Steve Harvey lost, like, all his jobs? What evil Illuminati ritual did he not (laughs) sign up for or subscribe to to where Hollywood has just said, bye-bye the Steve Harvey show. Oh, you're also on the family feud? Nope, we're going to take that from you. Little Big Shots, we're taking that from you. What? Now, you done messed up when you done took him off Family Feud. He's a viral sensation. Young people love to watch videos of uh, clips from the Family Feud and him just being hilarious. That show has never been funnier to watch. I don't want to watch no damn Michael Strahan. He keep his big ass tooth ass gap self over on Good Morning America where they don't want him anyways. They See, they should have left Michael Strahan with Kelly Ripa. When he was on the Kelly and Michael show, that was a good combination. I swear, it's like these people 
They mess up stuff on purpose. Things that are working. Didn't even tell Kelly Ripa they gave him another job over in the morning slot for Good Morning America. And then they put him with Sarah Haynes. Sarah Haynes was also good on The View. So they ruined that panel situation up. I swear to God, if The View cannot keep a freaking panel more than one season of the same people I will I'm just gonna stop watching I already don't watch really the view anymore it's too uh, it's not even too political it's too piss me offish puts me in a bad mood I don't want to watch it it's not that I don't mind a conservative view I appreciate a conservative view but Megan McCain acts like she is the Republican Party 100% she's nothing else in this existence of her life. She's not a woman. She's not a daughter. She's not a businesswoman. She's nothing but only the Republican Party. Meanwhile, I don't ever hear them giving her any props for fighting hard for them. Bitch, you're more than just a figurehead to talk for that political party. What else do you do in life? Do you have any interests, hobbies? You, you, oh my God, she kills me sometimes. And she gets so heated and mad where she can't have these discussions without saying some asinine, disrespectful mess. Oh, I, I don't know if that's her billionaire childhood coming out or what, but that entitled attitude she has towards other people's opinions that are different from hers is quite gross to watch and I used to love her and I was happy kind of when she came and then it's like oh no no and Abby Huntsman ugh, two thumbs down like censor her whole face we don't need to see or hear anything she's got to say because one minute she says something and then she flip-flops the very second someone opposes that thought. Ugh. It's like her and Megan need to take a little bit of each other. Stand up for what you're saying and you believe in. But if something is relevant to help change your mind and give you a different perspective that you didn't think of and you can kind of change your view or agree to disagree on the situation and just have that happy medium they would be okay like i miss nicole wallace oh i hate they got rid of nicole wallace she was informative she used to work for president bush w bush why would you get rid of somebody who really is as knowledgeable as her if you want to talk about political situations all day long the view used to be like fun and exciting i used to love watching kelly and michael and kelly and regis and kelly that was always fun to watch in the morning but ever since she got with that burnt and dry toast (laughs) he's not even burnt he's so dry he's like toast that's uncooked like undercooked rather like and then they match each other's color pattern so it's just like bright beige it's just, you turn there and everything is beige. I remember one time they were literally in matching just bleh, beige, nautical apparel, bland and boring, flavorless. It was just like, ugh, he sucked. Oh, he totally brought the show down. He just, ugh, it's not fun. It, it was so hype. Kelly and Michael were a really great combination, but they said, hey, let's 
put Ryan Seacrest in one more job. Like, he doesn't need another one. Um, and this one he's not good at. I wish they would fix it. Why Jerry O'Connell didn't get the position is beyond me. Talk about two thumbs down on that decision. Because Jerry O'Connell and her were fucking awesome. I was trying not to curse, but there's no other way to say it. <laughs> it, it was great to see. But, um, yeah, I'm not into, uh, networks and how they decide to take jobs from others, switch up things that people are enjoying. And when you look at the ratings, it was not a ratings problem at all for any of these decisions. It's just some fool, probably some old worm somewhere was like, well, let's, I don't get it, so I'm going to change it. Whack. Meanwhile, he's pissed off everybody. And and why they're taking Steve Harvey's jobs from him, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I hope they figure something out. Please leave his radio show alone. Please rethink the decision to take off from the Family Feud. And nothing against Kelly Clarkson. I love her music. But I do not give two craps about what she has to say. Even though when I do hear her talk, she's cool. She's like that country girl that we all know down the street. And she looks like everyday woman. She is an everyday woman. I just would rather watch the Steve Harvey show. I mean, he has proven he can talk to crowds and hold the attention of the audience and host anything. Give her some other small show online. See if she can host a good YouTube channel before you go giving her a studio. And then I heard somebody else was also getting a talk show too that I don't care for. But I digress. I'm going to uh I'm gonna table that topic and I'm gonna switch to something a little more fun. Yes, something fun. Let's talk about reality TV shows. Oh my God. Okay, this is going to be their segment that I'm going to start implementing regularly because we all watch too much Ratchet television. We all have our favorite shows. I liked 90 Day Fiance until I found out it's just stupid fake. Like, I knew it was fake. Well, the people who constantly come back for the happily ever after, you know what I mean? These are legit uh, customers. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, I guess. They're legit couples, but like that extra stuff on the happily ever after and what now is so bogus. Um, So when I found out that that one couple, uh, the interracial couple, the white girl and the black guy, their whole storyline is fake. This is before they even came on for the season. On Instagram, they 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 weren't liking all the hate that her man was getting, so they decided to go ahead and just spill the beans. Now I don't know how they didn't get sued, you know, for or, or like you know for violating the non disclosure agreement. But um, yeah, they basically made us not care about them from the jump, and then they still are airing them. So, uh, I just fast forward them completely. Pedro and Chantel are annoying as hell. Her and her fake tits are just two in my face. They're good looking tits. I just would like to see them, you know, over there somewhere else. I don't know. I, ugh. 
where's the hot guy clickbait? Like, take Pedro's shirt off already. Instead of him, you know, mumbling through his words. That has nothing to do against his broken English. It's just like a speech impediment. It's kind of hilarious. On top of that. But long story short, like, I don't believe the family and them don't all get along. I do believe that fight at the dinner table was real. Plus, her show... Her family is getting their own reality show. Who wants to really watch that? But somebody talked a good game and had some good negotiations. Because, yeah, why these people are getting their own show is beyond me. But it's coming and we already know that. The Larissa Colchie situation is bogus. We know they're no longer together. It just looks creepy and weird with his mom, you know, influenced in there. The Paola and Russ situation never really seems too fake i totally get how his mormon family thought this girl was just way too out there for them oh man and i felt bad for her like going to the from columbia to that type of area in the states had to have been so isolating um so i I get why she just feels out of place and would never want to move back there at the same time her fam his family really <clears throat> should have been more to like you know be accommodating understanding and but then again she should have covered her butt up when she was around family i mean uh she would wear like the skimpiest stuff down to breakfast it was quite ridiculous uh beverly hills housewives i'm not watching any of it i have seen like a episode and it bored me to death over that dorit dog nonsense who gives a crap about anything the dog's alive, well, and got where it needed to be. It's not her fault, but who gives a good goddamn? They need to worry about how boring this season was and how much I love that show and didn't watch more than one episode. We, as viewers, don't care about Puppygate. I want to see what Erica Jane is wearing. I want to see her throw some realness out there. Shut people down. I believe Dorit and her husband staged their own robbery. But, you know, I got nothing to back that up. It's just an opinion of observation. Because they're just way too jazzed to have lost everything. And plus they're broke and they need money. So why not stage a robbery, collect the insurance? You know, it's all an alleged opinion of mine. I'm not even going to claim it that hard. Nobody trying to come to me. Um, I'm not the only one with that theory as well. I love Lisa Vanderpump. I love how she is maniacal. I love how you fools fall for it every time. I love how she, oh man, when she took the location of Pump idea from NeNe Links and was like, oh darling, that's bad space. It's cost too much. The rent's too high. You don't want to do that, darling. You don't want to open up a bar there. And she opens up her own restaurant. <laughs> She's rocking that whole block, from my understanding. That street, Villa Blanc, Sir, and Pump are there. And I think now Tom Tom is close by. Which, you know, if she does leave the Beverly Hills Housewives, go ahead and please spit off Tom Tom already. But I think you're doing those guys some real grimy dirt by not giving them a legitimate partnership contract. Let's be for real. As business, as a businesswoman, I can appreciate getting as 
as much as you can for and giving as little as possible. But we're all watching you. You and Ken cannot let those boys who have given you their money and you decide to cash their checks when you get ready, which was gross, disrespectful, to not give them a legitimate stake in the company. It's not right. It's not right. It's the kind of shit music industry people do to folks where they utilize and take your talent, take your ideas, make all this money off you, but you don't own anything. Please don't be that way, Lisa. I mean, especially with them when we all are watching. We are all seeing you do this and play these guys right before our eyes. It doesn't look good on you. And eventually, you know, you're going to piss a lot of people off. And, and I mean, you're rich enough. I mean, I don't think they could fuck it up. And if they do, it would be entertainment for us, which would still make the show a tourist destination. So let them have it already. But can we now please talk about Mama June? Anybody watch not Mama June from Not to Hot? <laughs> Needs to go right back to what the f? You know, she just gained back so much weight. She's constantly eating and eating and stuffing her face with such bad things. How do you break your tooth on what they call a fat cake, which is like? Some kind of crunchy little Debbie. She cracked a freaking tooth. Had it fixed. Didn't let it set long enough. Bit into uh, something on camera and like broke her cap again. Um, And then she's walking around crazy over this guy, Gino. Wendy Williams touched on it yesterday on Monday's episode if you didn't see it. Today's the 21st, by the way. You know I don't really date these things because God knows if I don't post it the same day. Oh, well, I'm not trying to feel bad. Life is life. Things happen as they happen, and I appreciate you guys for understanding that and uh, giving me your support. Oh, I love getting the messages. It's, it's, it's amazing. So helpful. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that show's hot mess. And like that show has a lot of scripted planned kind of family moments but this mess with her ex-husband uh, her uh her current boyfriend is so real especially when we've seen her get arrested in alabama they found crack and other substances on her and then her and gino have apparently been staying in that state for like a month just gambling she's just spending up all her children's money you know it honey boo is gonna be one of those childhood stars that we hear about later in life who's been on tv most of their lives and have nothing to show for it because their parents just squandered away their money she was already accused at one point of taking their money and uh misallocating those funds uh oh well so yeah that's what i wanted to talk about on the reality tv front I'm ready for stuff to come back like my big fat fabulous life even though it just went off a few months ago that show was fun I really enjoy watching it it makes me laugh um what else do I want to see oh Atlanta Housewives from my understanding is already filming again they had to come back early they're not supposed to film in June but as we saw there's so much drama happening off camera they had to say whoa 
Because, you know, NeNe leaks before the reunion, during the reunion, and after the reunion has had so much to say. We're all wondering if she's even coming back to the show. Who's been fired? Who's coming back? It's all quite interesting. And with all that being said, now is a good time to hear a word from our sponsor. Okay, welcome back. So I was watching uh, Craig Ferguson on The View last week talk about his new book, Riding the Elephant. And then I think I watched something earlier today on Comedy Central. Oh, what's her name? She's a comedian who has been on his show when he had the Late Late Show and was on his podcast. And uh, now she's on a podcast show. She's got a serious XM radio show. Nikki Glaser. Glaser? Glaser? Probably Glaser. Nikki Glaser's show. Uh, talking about his new book. And ugh, screw that girl. She hadn't read the previous two books. <laughs> I just kid, Nikki. I, on the other hand, have the books. And I have the audiobook to his autobiography. Um, I remember listening to the CDs of it in my car. What, I, I didn't read the book, of course. I wanted to savor his, like, savior. Yeah, he was my savior after reading his other book. Well, I'll explain that soon. Okay, so basically I had the audiobook and I would listen to him read his story and tell his... Um, just tell his life. I'd get in my car, go chill at this spot in town. It's like an old battlefield, but it's a park close to a river, and it's really beautiful. You're semi in the woods, but you're still in town, so it's a nice place to escape all of the noise, and I would just, you know, take with me a blunt and smoke and lay back in my vehicle. I didn't have to really worry about anyone bothering me puff a little bit and just listen to that in my Chevrolet Malibu at the time is what I had man it it was amazing it was beautiful it was funny it was so relatable and just inspiring but that book his fictional book his first book Between the Bridge and the River it took me to a place I didn't expect to go you know you watch his show on late late you know the late late show when he still hosted it then now James Gordon has it if you didn't know um and CBS did him so dirty they act like they were too broke to give this man a proper band anything he had nothing the show gave him jack all to be successful when the other guy Craig Kilborn had it it was such garbage like I know I never watched it ever and I would just watch Conan all the time I love me some Conan but Craig Ferguson I remember flicking to it was like oh I remember him on the Drew Carey show as Mr. Wick and he's funny so I was like okay then I kept coming back because it was good he would take I don't want to say non-celebrities because I think everybody is important in their own way He would take folks you would never have known and make such the most interesting interesting interviews with them. 
and you were intrigued, no matter who they were, you don't know what they're talking about, or even care to find out what they're talking about, but it made you intrigued. And then when actual celebrities came on, he didn't do the basic, basic ass way of interviewing someone. He would tear the notes up immediately, doesn't even look at them. And he made those interviews <laughs> super unique. And I think you can, like, I love, I came onto, like, the show when you watch the progression of awesomeness. You saw celebrities, you might get a few, like, B-list celebrities here and there. An A-lister might come once in a while. I remember Betty White used to come on regularly and do little bits with him. But I think his interviews were so groundbreakingly different. They were so enjoyable for the actual celebrity where they would go and tell their friends who told more friends you've got to go to this guy's show it's great and then you start to see like the big big wigs of hollywood showing up you know even though cbs still wasn't giving them any money no band um they he he made a way he was freaking doing puppet monologues which by the way his monologues were always off the top of his head he didn't have cue cards no writers who just come out and shoot the shit. He had probably talking points, I think. Other than that, he would just do what he wanted. And uh, that's what made his show, like, the best. Ooh, when he started beating Conan in the ratings, NBC lost their minds. I started treating Conan like shit, and we saw how that all imploded. And how TBS, you know, is on... I mean, Conan's on TBS. But anyways, Craig, you know, he would do, like, puppet shows. And then he would do, like, these musical entrances. And they weren't just basic puppet shows. I mean, they were cussing puppets. It was so funny. It was so, so funny. Nowadays, everyone curses on late night. Because, oh, yeah, beeps are funny, dumbass censorship people. Uh, They would get on him all the time. But he's like, fuck this. I'm going to say what I want to say. And... It made that show a hit. He he really, oh man, he made that show amazing. And then the robot skeleton Jeff. And then when he stopped doing like um, automatic uh, responses, and they got Josh, what's his name, Josh Thomason, Josh Thompson, who is the voice of Jeff. He's on a lot of shows like Family Guy, all kinds of things. Um, to do the actual live responses. Oh man, that crap was hilarious. Secretary, oh, I miss that show so much. But he's like, oh, he was tired of it, so he quit, and I get it. Did he want the job of Stephen Colbert when Dave retired? Hell, mofo, no. He was tired of talking to these people, so I, I get it. But we are totally missing something in late night. But uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of interviewing I want to do. I just want to chill with someone, get to know them. Even like Joe Rogan, I like his podcasting style. You just shoot the shit with somebody and, and have a hangout session. Um, but anyways, getting back to his book, Between the Bridge and the River. I remember I got it from the library. Yeah, I still was actually going to the library. <laughs> This was after my surgery. This was like 2010. During like some of the worst situations of my life have happened. And maybe this was 2009. Because I remember, yeah, I had my surgery, then I had that bad situation. 
And then I had a horrible moment in life where I got raped. And I was messed up. I was so gone mentally, like... I've never ever in my life felt shame and I for once felt ashamed even though I know it was my fault I was just stunned that it happened because I'm one of those bitches who always had like a knife on her um I never did anything stupid outside of the home so that's what made it worse where it happened I was in a safe place that's one of the safest places you can get with the people that you're supposed to be safe with, which is your own motherfucking family, right? Right, right, right. The night before my grandmother's funeral, in the deathbed of my grandmother, this happened to me. Like some fucking cousin who I never saw but maybe five times in my life. And I really, honest to God, know that's about all there was. And, um, anyways... This was post-chemotherapy, post-chemo brain, and all that incident. And just, I remember drinking so much that night because I'm in a house full of people who did not help us take care of my grandmother, who was on Alzheimer's. And I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to get wasted. Uh, so many circumstances just led to like a moment where you were with family, you don't think you need to worry about over-drinking and somebody's going to come fucking violate you because you're fucking relatives. Oh, anyways, so that happened. I was completely, completely, completely suicidal for six months. I was suicidal for six months. The only thing keeping me from not killing myself is I pledged within myself I would probably kill him first and then probably kill myself because I'm not going to jail. But I knew I had to get him before I ever would do something to me. And I didn't tell anybody about it, you know, classic. You don't tell anyone, stupid moment. Because I was in such shock. And the shock of this is, the shock of when that happens to a person is so surreal. You don't know. You just, you don't know how to think. And I know this was not the kind of a podcast situation and honestly I can't really relive it right now so anyways I will probably go into more detail about this later but yeah that happened and um I was just a mess and I remember my cousin's high school graduation or it was her high school graduation my cousin's uh my cousin-in-law was like girl what's wrong with you you just don't look right you aren't yourself. You aren't happy. You just see it in your face. I didn't tell her at the time. I was like, maybe one day I'll talk to you. So we went walking and I let her know what happened. And that was six months after it had happened. I finally told someone about it. Because, I mean, at this point, I'm also like, don't tell anybody so that you're not a suspect. <laughs> like, I was serious. Like, I'm like, I'm a sick motherfucker. Because if anything ever happens to him, I damn sure won't be subject number one. Because I, I can't fucking get up there and do this. And you know what? I've told people. And the plan is to get him in jail. Um, I remember talking to someone legally about this. And they were like, well, you were drunk. How do you? It's, they call it gray rape. And I don't give a damn. I have to, you know, it was always some kind of health situation after the other. Uh, that has kept me from pressing the charges and going through with everything. One, I didn't even know his last name because he had his father's name. It wasn't our family name. 
and I could and I didn't know where he really lived. So how can you serve charges on someone and they can't go find the person? So there's a lot of stuff I had to do on my situation. Um, anyways. So yeah, I told her and then my mom kept saying teaming when she'd see me and I just wasn't right. She's like, Were you raped? Were you raped? It's like, how do you know with my hair? Why does she know this? Why is she even asking me this? So two months after I told someone, finally at the eighth month, she asked me that again. She was like, are oh, you raped? And I was like, yes, how do you know? And she's like, because we saw the blood on that blanket that was in Ma's room. I was like, oh, shit. I tried my best to clean what I could of the four nine. Yes, I was still a virgin. And, you know, growing up in a religion where, you know, you're trying your best to wait till marriage and all that thing has kind of, you know, postponed my activities and, you know, being sick with that tumor and going through the ovarian cancer. It was just many reasons I was still a virgin. But that was not his right to do that to me. Because remember, the first thing the son of a bitch would say is I wouldn't have done it if I had known you were a virgin. I was like, what part of him, your fucking cousin, would, why would that not stop you? Oh, I don't, I, I can't relive that life. Anyways, because he will be thrown in jail and I could give a good goddamn. I remember telling his mother... Because once my mom knew, I knew all the sisters, you know, everybody goes and runs their mouth. I told his mom respect to her and the love for her. And that conversation was what it was. And uh, men who you think would ride or die for you. Because I know for a fact, if this happened to somebody else, especially one of my younger cousins. Oh, no question about it. I'd have been up there. I'd have took a charge. You're not going to fucking do that and think you're going to get away with it. No one in my family did anything. But I'm not surprised because these people don't do what they should do ever. But no, motherfuckers didn't do anything. No one did anything on my behalf. Um, one cousin was like, damn, he was supposed to have stayed at my house. I would, it's not like I wish, glad that it happened to you, but man, that could have been one of my daughters. And then I was like, oh my God, that's the truth. So it's, it sucks. And then they've been, people have been around him since. And they just go about their life, whatever. But I already know in life, no one will have the loyalty that I have for, for folks. I, I need to, you know, stay true to me. But anyways, when that was going on in my world, and the only thing that kept me from killing myself was after reading Between the Bridge and the River. That book, like I said, I rented it from the library. You know, I have two weeks to read, you know, see some, read something or whatever before you turn, turn it back in. Gosh, I can't even talk straight after all that anymore. Let me take a sip because it's so exhausting. Um, okay. I I remember just opening it up to some random page and it was a sex scene. So I was like, ah, I laughed and I put it back on the table. Days go by before I finally pick it back up. And I'm like, oh crap, I got to turn this in tomorrow. Let me start reading it. And I was a fast reader like that. I could read a book in a day, period. Just don't sleep. Just keep on reading if it's a good page turner. I think I did that with the first Twilight as well and several, several other books. Anyways... Um, I went to the lake to finish reading it. I love to just drive over there and park at the lake, the city lake, you know, 
and I finished reading it. And the first book I ever finished reading where I was sad it was over. Because every page was amazing. Every word was amazing. And it had nothing to do with the fact that I was fanning out for him on the show. Or thought he was hot as hell. Nothing to do with that. No one sexy uh, is sexy enough to keep my attention with a good book. I mean, for a book, if the writing's bad. Anyways, the writing was amazing. So, I just loved it. And some of these things he put in there were kind of like stories he told. So, he put a little few things from real life into the situations. And uh, it followed four different people. And, I I mean, it's just, it's it's an amazing book. Please read it, get the audio book, listen to it, whatever you want to do. I highly, highly recommend it. So I like cry. I literally just burst into tears when I read the last page. I'm probably jingling from all this shit on my bracelet that I put on. Um, I read the last page and I'm just crying in my car because it was something that it alleviated out of my soul this heavy weight, like the lessons that you're gonna to. Um. The lessons that the characters go through and the groundbreaking uh, transformations they have, it, 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 you feel it in yourself. You can relate to them. You know you've been in those circumstances. And it gave me a sense of hope. I was sad it was over, but I was elated. Um, I didn't feel the shame anymore that I was going through, like, I mean, that crying I did was, like, a complete healing, because I wasn't crying after the situation either, I cried a few times, and then I just went numb and dead inside, I mean, completely numb and dead, I had no joy, I had no light in my eyes anymore, and I'm such a happy, giddy idiot, so yes, everyone knew I was completely affected, by something that had happened to me and um I just was not myself so the book made me not want to end my life the book made me stop wanting to die it made me realize I will not let that monster win no no never and then that's what I started to do the Legal proceedings and information on how to get him, what's the statute of limitations on in my state, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then my fucking MS relapse started. And this was before I really even knew I had MS. It was like my neurologist said, You probably do. He gave me a pamphlet about it. When I found out the testing that needed to be done, I was too chicken shit to do it. When they like put electrodes in your um, ligaments and, and the nerves in your arms and it's like oh god I don't want to deal with that it looks horrible and um, my health like declined so bad to where I could not walk and talk so when I'm you know I, and I and, and before that even happened because that was like 2012 I was finally ready to like press charges because I had to get like therapy which was amazing um, it helped me with a lot of PTSD I had from the rape and from the chemotherapy, because there was many days that chemo would just burn my body. I'd be lying in bed, screaming in pain, screaming to the ceiling, because my kidneys were on fire. 
Um, the painkillers didn't do shit. And they just made me contemplate this. I didn't even bother taking them. Uh, it was no relief. I was just in misery for those six months. Um, so the trauma of that and the chemo brain and all those issues and those crazy situations that happened. Yeah, thank God. And then it was to, it was an ordeal to find a good therapist. I had went through like three or four before I decided on uh, the one I went to. And I went to him about two years. Oh, man, he helped me out so much. He was like the little intellectual stimulation I needed in life. Oh, like in a past life, we probably would have been so in love or something. And he was like much older man and I'm way younger. There was never anything inappropriate, but we just totally enjoyed talking to each other. And that was amazing. Like this old white man and this young black girl was just having like the most profound conversations that went from philosophy, theology, um, anything and everything. And uh, hey, help me learn to, because the chemo brain really fucked up my memory. My short term memory was trash. And there are long term memories that I would probably will never get back. Like, I didn't know a certain cousin of mine who was, like, the oldest one of us. And the grandkids had died. And I was told, I won't remember that. So many things I don't remember. And um, then sometimes people can trigger memories for me when they tell things over. But my short-term memory had gotten to the point where I'm, like, writing a checklist on, did I brush my teeth? Take this medicine. Do this today. You know? It was pretty bad. What did I eat? When did I eat it? I had to keep logs. I have a couple of log books like that. And then he helped me kind of like rewind it like a VCR tape, you know. What was the last thing you did and the thing before that and the thing before that? So I take little money steps back so I could kind of trigger what I'm trying to do. Because I totally walk into a room, blank out, why am I in here? What do I want? Why am I holding this in my hand? What was I doing? It was so much of that. I couldn't remember what I told people already. I couldn't remember it was so annoying it was so it was so ridiculous and he taught me to help you know stop beating myself up this is just a change and his wife had Lyme disease so he knew what it was like to witness someone he cared about lose their function their normal function she had to go back to you know relearning things she lost a lot of her hearing and just had to adapt to her changing situation as well and um so he he understood it was it was so perfect meeting him and I appreciate him for the rest of my life um and, and it proves that yeah therapy can work never been one of those people say you shouldn't go you just have to find the right person not all therapists are good therapists working in mental health taught me that some people are just out there to collect that money and go on about their day he wasn't a psychiatrist he's a psychologist so it wasn't like I was being prescribed medicines through him it was really all about the therapeutic conversation and to find healing and real progress. And then it just got to the point where talking to him was my therapy of just having someone to speak to about certain topics and subjects that I didn't have anyone else to talk to about in life at the time. Now I got a couple of friends that really are smart and we can all have these combos together and it's pretty cool. Um, and my sister and my cousin, we, we can talk like that, but we end up talking about such bullshit sometimes and having so many laughs, you know, but then every now and then we do get deep. Um, and I really like that. So, mm, 
I'll forever be grateful for meeting him because he really saved me. He's like, as much as you want to put that man's dick in the salad shooter, you cannot kill him. <laughs> so he helped me lose my homicidal rage and just take it to like full on, you know, get him legally. But you're not going to let that define who you are in life. And if, oh man, that healed me. It healed me so much. I was able to come out on the other side. And I told him, you write about that sticking in the salad shooter. Like things in my brain when I would have the memories of that night come on to me. Because I can remember everything clear as day. Like, so what if I passed out and went to sleep? He fucking woke me up. Took my hat. I'm like, had already had my pants off apparently. And I remember every fucking moment. And even when I drink in the past, I've never been a blackout drunk. I've always remembered everything that's ever happened. And unfortunately, I can't remember everything that happened then. So, oh, when those thoughts would creep up and trigger me so bad, I had, like, coping mechanisms of, like, kung-fuing the shit out of him, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Literally drop-kicking him in my mind was a way of drop-kicking those horrible thoughts and memories. And then, and that was what would make me feel stronger because I've always had that warrior mentality and that was my greatest moment of weakness and failure that I had ever experienced. So I had to build myself back up and he really, my therapist really helped me build myself back up and thank God because I needed those skills for all the crap that came after, you know, losing the ability to walk and talk and fight for my life literally like am dying blood pressure would get so low and and it was it was almost over a few times like i have a near-death experience because i fucking was gone like i know i was gone when you see your body that's that's a clear sign the sun's not right here <laughs> and i don't have a fear of death at all because that moment was so vivid and i will forever remember and damn sure remember the comeback that was so painful you never forget a painful experience like that it's like your heart beats just i always describe it as like uh, vampires coming to life with that gasp and that horrible screen of pain so it's like my heart just started back beating and you can feel almost every ounce of the blood that reaches your extremities and my lungs just inhaling that gasp of air and I could barely speak at this time but I still managed to like scream which was like a scream for me that of course no one else heard but like there was like scream of shock <laughs> oh man I'll tell that story one day but I have no fear of death I never had one really and that one like like I've always been like I gotta believe it I got to see it to believe it. You know, you need to prove something to me in order for me to believe it. I have to experience and witness it and feel it and touch it for myself. So since I experienced it <laughs> and just witnessed something for myself, I know I'll be okay and found it quite interesting. Um, I'm kind of glad. That's always something I don't really have to think about anymore. And I go on about my life. Um, but yeah, I know talking about Craig Ferguson's new book, Riding the Elephant, and how excited I am to read it turned into this. But you know, that's life. That's the, the beauty of these podcast channels. We just go where the moments take us. And you get some realness. You get us. You get our real truth. At least that's what I'm giving you. 
And I think you guys appreciate that. That's what I've been, you know, getting back and feedback from a lot of places, a lot of countries. Um, I have some friends in the UK, people I didn't really know are listening to me and giving me this wonderful feedback. India and all that. It's been amazing. It's been really cool. Brazil, like it's been, it's been really, really nice. Just talking to random folks. Um, and, uh, I appreciate that. And I thank you all. And, and, you know, please feel free. Continue to bring me those messages. But y'all leave some comments. Do whatever. I should even keep the Facebook page at this point. Because the less I got to do, boom, I can get, you know, another. I'm doing some other stuff for another project. And I'll be doing a lot of social media for them. If I don't need to keep this up. Or I need to get an assistant to go for it, then I, I will. I'm sure it will probably get bigger or whatever. But... I like the private messages, so I'm not going to tell you to not send me those anymore because I asked for them, and I do really like them. Oh, we get to talking, and I oh, I want to share so many of your stories, but everybody always feels like they're scared to talk. And I'm like, well, you can give yourself a, any name you want and an alias. It's not like YouTube where you'll hear such trash comments, you know, down below and get all this hate. You're not going to have that. You know, or I could take the Facebook page down for certain episodes. So you don't have to see if anything like that may happen. But so far, that's not going on. And uh, the listener account just keeps growing. And it's pretty good. It's exciting. So I'm going to be pushing for more sponsorships and different sponsorships and uh, advertisement deals and all that jazz. And I welcome them. Come on, come on, come on. And... Uh, so I want to do some bigger things. I want to do a little more polished situation. Get a producer, somebody who knows more about all that. And I'm getting the mics next month. Like a proper microphone. They're super cheap. They're not expensive or anything. I just really enjoy using my Xbox headset on my phone. <laughs> it's easy. So maybe I'll get another headset that just sounds a little better. Or, you know, a better app to record on. Whatever. I don't know. So far, this is doing not too bad. Um, and I'm going to put out some feelers to do some interviews for these YouTubers. I'm fascinated by the influencer phenomenon that I'm so late to the party on. So late that the party's probably almost over. I hope not. <laughs> but, I mean, why is Shane Dawson so cute? Why do I like this dude? I, I I think I'm crushing on him. I don't have a fucking celebrity crush of any kind. Last one I had was, like, Orlando Bloom 10 years ago. And I'm over it. You know, when he started getting with Katy Perry, I don't know why that made him, like, so not hot to me. Because <laughs> I think she's bogus now. But that's why. And I'm like, well, if you like that bogus bitch... You might be bogus too. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't come for me. But <laughs> after, and I don't really think a celebrity says anything. Once I, I just, I'm just in that mind space where who cares? I don't care what you're doing or why you're doing it. But it's fun to talk about the crap about you because some of that shit is hilarious to me. It's funny or. I just feel outraged about something and I have to hurry, raise my fist and scream, get off my lawn like old lady about it, you know. But yeah, she knows he is cute. It's like he doesn't realize how adorable he is. He probably does. I don't know if it's all his shtick 
or not his chick. But he comes from like when he says a place of fat. And when you were once a fat kid, you always feel like a fat kid. I don't know. I'm just not that way. I appreciate my fat, but I'm not California fat. That's a different world. Being a fat in California is like having, you know, leprosy. Being fat on the East Coast is like being normal. <laughs> Come over here with that vegan plastic surgery bullshit fakeness if you want to. You'll be laughed at everywhere you go. We just like appreciate realness. We know everybody comes in all different shapes and sizes. And we're fat and happy. You know, I was fat and married. These poor little skinny starving girls out here couldn't even get a man. Meanwhile, they're banging back like fat chicks behind their back. You know, I'm I'm beating them off with a stick. I'll, I'll stay thick and healthy my whole life. I always have been. It's not going to change. So you just accept it and you got to learn to love it. And that's another thing. I don't know if it's a racial thing or what. It just seems like white people are so unhappy with their fatness. And black people, we just, we come from like a whole history of hardship. Being fat is the least of the hardships. And we carry ourselves with confidence and beauty. You know, white girls, they just seem to be so upset at themselves and very rarely do I see a beautiful white woman with the confidence of knowing she's still beautiful because she's big. And other than that, they wish they were skinny or they they just slouch and they kind of shrink themselves and don't appreciate what they have. And like, girl, stop. Men love it. Someone out there is for you. And they're hot guys, like fine guys. I've learned a lot of guys who love to work out. I've been getting this lately. Guys who love to go to the gym all the time and they have this really strict diet love to be with big girls. I don't know if it's because they are creepy and like the finish of watching them eat freely or what. I don't know. But I ain't knocking it. I ain't gonna stop it. (laughs) Keep it up. (laughs) All right. I'm going to end today's podcast with a... Thank you for listening. If anything like what I've talked about in this podcast has happened to you, don't feel bad you're not alone. Please tell someone. Please get help. Don't carry it on your own. That's such a dark, dark place I don't ever want to go to again. And you shouldn't be there either. And I hope to inspire and bring some hope and sunshine to your days. Um, Tomorrow... There will be a new topic, a new day, and a new laugh. I'll catch you guys later. See you, campers.